I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Mischief Makers, your one-stop shop for all things mischief. Join your host, Dave Hearn, as he finds out what makes mischief, well, mischief. Hello and welcome everyone to Mischief Makers. And you, you might be thinking, listen to Dave, who's this? Who's this interloper? Um, it's me, Jonathan. But don't worry, because the reason why I'm speaking and introducing today's podcast is because I'm joined by the guest that is our usual interviewer and host, Dave Hearn. Hello, Dave. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I feel... Um, everyone always says when I do these that they get quite nervous. And now that we've started recording, I think I'm quite nervous because you because obviously like as an interviewer, I plan stuff. But then if you're being interviewed, you're just like waiting to be asked. So, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be good. I'd say when you normally do this, you know, you have a kind of easygoing, gentle, fun tone. I've been thinking, you know, what's my way of doing this? And I've just said it's going to be quite harsh. So you should feel nervous. (laughs) I'm really going to pin you back with some tough questions. Okay, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready for the for the tough questions. Well, the first one is, a lot of people, you know, they've been put under pressure to come up with jingles out of nowhere. And today, yep. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to see how those shoes fit on your untuneful feet. So, <laughs> so, so, Dave, this first section, you'll be familiar with. It's getting to know you. But we don't have any jingles, even though we've been doing this now for... Almost a while. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> Just made some jingles, but um, no, Dave. Um, would you like to come up with what today's getting to know you jingle is? Absolutely. Uh, okay. Um, <clears throat> g- 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 getting to know you. Getting. Getting. Getting to know you. Very good. Very good. Uh, How was that? Of- yeah. No, I liked it. I liked it. You avoided a kind of. You. You avoided singing i'd say it's true i went for a sort of uk garage vibe yeah no i liked it i liked it i i called that contemporary but, but yes uk garage yeah. <laughs> contemporary vibe yeah sure i don't know anything about music um so the well, the, the first question is dave so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself 
and um, you know, tell us where you're from and um, tell us about your drama school training and just kind of how you got from, how you how did you, Dave Hearn, go from the womb to now? <laughs> <laughs> womb to now. Wow, that's the 32 years. Um, I'll see if I can condense it for you. Um, so when I was in the womb, um, I was actually born in uh, Scunthorpe, um, which I, I think is... Yeah, I think it's like the, isn't it like the midpoint of the country? It's like the north-south hmm. divide bit, Scunthorpe. Yeah, I was born there. And then um, I think, I don't remember any of this, but I think my parents lived in um, Kroll in Devon um, right. for a while. And then we moved to Harlow in Essex when I was like two years old, maybe. And we lived opposite my nan. Um, and yeah, I grew up basically in Harlow until I didn't leave until I was about 17, 18. And um, I went to uh, a Catholic school there. And um, I remember my mum said, uh, if they ask you, just say you believe in God, which I always found quite amusing in retrospect. It was a good school. They wanted me to go there. Um, and then I did a GCSE in drama because I was quite a shy teenager, played a lot of video games, stayed indoors a lot. And then I started playing rugby and sort of going out and about a bit more. And then... I, um, yeah, I, I did drama because I was like, oh, boost my confidence. And I did pretty well, actually. I got an A star in GCSE drama, which I was really proud of. And then I, I had a year out and then I went to do a BTEC where I got uh, like a performing arts BTEC at Harlow College. And then I kind of just sort of carried on doing it because I really enjoyed acting and I think as well I was a bit of a bit of a knobhead when I was 17 I think because I thought I was really good but like not like a confident teenager I think I was really like yeah I'm like I'm a really good actor uh and I thought I sort of had a choice between if I wanted to go to drama school or university but of mm -hmm. course it's rarely a choice you get in where you get in um but I got into the foundation course at Lambda which I think might have made things a little bit worse. And then uh, I got, I, I didn't actually initially want to go to Rose Bruford, but that was the only place that offered me um, for the three-year acting course. And I'm so pleased I went there because it's such an amazing place. And the teachers and the people I met were just absolutely life-changing. And I had such a great time there. And so, That's yeah, I did three years at Bruford. Sorry, say that again? That's where I met you when, when, you, were, when you were at Bruford. Yeah, because you joined about six months after. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, a few months after, yeah. Yeah, so I was, um, I'd was i finished the foundation course at that point, yeah, and then gone to Bruford. And um, yeah, I would have been in my first year, and you would have been starting Lambda, your first year of Lambda. And, and so, yeah, no, go on. And for the listeners, I think what's really interesting as well is, is obviously talking about a kind of work and, and, and professional stuff but also just outside of mischief and outside of the arts what what do you do because because you, you're you're quite multi-talented i'd say you've got a lot of kind of skills and you've got a lot of kind of hobbies and, and things that you do so why don't you talk a bit about them um well yeah i've started recently i've started going to gymnastics again um and i'm trying to teach myself well sort of teach myself but there is a trainer there as well how to do uh, an aerial and some front somersaults uh, which is really exciting. And I kind of always wanted to do a lot of um, acrobatics and I do a lot of like parkour and free running and jumping off walls and flips and stuff. 
um, and things like rock climbing, or I don't know if I think it's called bouldering, and, you know, climbing indoors up walls and that. Um, and so, yeah, I quite enjoy a lot of the physical stuff, but I'm not like an outdoorsy person. I can't really do camping or, you know, being like living in the woods, you know, stuff like that. I'm not really into I think that. What you're quite good at is, um, is like working on yourself, like in, in all kinds of different ways. But I've always found you, you know, you're very, very disciplined with that, whether it's about kind of learning stuff or like physically kind of getting stronger and learning skills or like with diet and stuff. I've always found, I, I think that's a very cool quality that you have. Oh, that's very kind. Yeah, I think, I think I kind of, it's helped because I think when I was much younger, I think when we first met, when I was like 20 odd, I was saying to Charlie the other day, I think I had a very black and white view of the world. Um, and there was just things that I was like, I think this about this and I think this about this. And nothing's going to change that. And um, actually, as I've got older and I've, I've met more people, my world has a lot more colour in it. And I think um, I'm much less uh, rigid, much more kind of open to the nuances of the world. But I think one of the things that I've kind of kept from that kind of black and white way of thinking was... Um, the idea that in order to do something, to kind of set your mind to something, it's it's a really simple idea, but you just actually have to do it. And so you kind of break it into its simplest form. Um, so, for example, I smoked for about six or seven years um, mm. and I ended up, I decided to, to give up and I had like an e-cigarette and stuff. And I read a book on how to quit smoking, which I found really, really helpful. Yeah, but it actually, it just boiled down to the simple idea of um, just don't smoke, and it sounds quite patronising and quite uh, quite stupid, and a lot easier said than done. But actually, it kind of got to the point where I would be offered a cigarette, and you just go, "No, I'm just not going to smoke it." And you do then, have very, very good willpower, I would say. Yeah, maybe that is it. It's just the idea of going, just recognizing that my life would be better. And then you, you just kind of didn't. And I, I remember thinking, that's really impressive. And you never, you never like, um, you never mentioned it. You never said, oh, I really want a cigarette today. I remember you just kind of said, I'm giving up now. And then you never mentioned it again, really, until like a few years later, where you just kind of said, I don't smoke now. And I, I was very impressive. Well, yeah, I think it's 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 definitely a, a kind of um, psychological thing of uh, if, if for a while. I think when you when you stop smoking, what you really want to do is say someone offers you a cigarette and you go, oh, no, thanks. Um, I don't smoke anymore or I used to smoke. And you, you kind of want the the congratulations of um, the sort of immediate gratification of somebody going, oh, good for you. You don't smoke anymore. Well done. And all that kind of stuff. But actually, I found it much more personally satisfying to, to just say, oh, um, no, thank you. I don't smoke. And that's like a really nice feeling because you're just kind of like, you, you, it's, not, it's not got the caveat of sort of patting yourself on the back. You're just sort of going, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm now just a person who doesn't smoke. And that's really cool. And I really like that about myself. That's good. No, that's really good. And I suppose stepping away from all that kind of stuff, going into going more into your career. So you said you kind of, I feel like you kind of fell into acting. I think you're like me where like you don't have anyone in your family who was kind of doing that kind of, who, who was involved in our industry at all. So was there a point when you decided, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm really, this is what I want my career to be? Or even now, do you kind of just, I don't know, do you still have just that kind of vibe of just, I'll do this for a bit? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I, I think I decided I wanted to be an actor 
when I was about 17 and it was because I'd had a year out after. So I went to sixth form, uh, which was attached to my school and it was because my sister did it. And um, that was where basically everyone just did their A-levels. And I did media studies, sociology and economics, I think. Um, Mm. And I was there for like six months, maybe. And while I was there, my nan passed away and um, I was actually okay with it. Uh, I, I don't really know why, maybe because I wasn't as close to my nan, but my I was very close to her and like she helped raise me with, with my parents and stuff because they had to work a lot. But our family were really, really close to my nan and it, it really mm. affected my mum and dad quite quite a lot. But I remember kind of saying to my mum that I, I feel like I don't want to go to school anymore and I felt like I was kind of using the fact that my nan had passed away as a kind of excuse when in actual fact I was kind of okay um, and I sort of came to the realisation that I just didn't want to be in school anymore and I was like I don't think my nan would really approve of me just sort of using her passing away as a, as a reason not to go to school when in actual fact if I, if I just don't want to sit in a classroom and learn that way anymore I should just not do that. Um, and so I said that to my mum and she said, okay, well, you think, you know, think hard about it and make sure it's, you feel like it's the right decision. And so after a couple of weeks, I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to leave. Um, and then she went, okay, well, if you leave, you have to get a job. Um, and you'll, you'll have to like help out around the house. You can't just, you know, sit around for a year and do nothing. So I went and got a couple of different jobs and I kind of worked for quite a long time and earned quite a lot of money and sort of enjoyed my life, but actually, was just like, what do I actually really enjoy? Because I don't really enjoy working in Halfords or in retail or whatever. Um, mm. And actually, I think I wanted to, I really enjoyed acting. And so I, I think at that point, I was like, that's what I'm going to try and do. And my parents were brilliant, actually, because I remember going to them and being like, I think I want to be an actor. I think I want to do a performing arts course. And yeah. Go to like the local playhouse. And my mum was like, great. Okay. You know, it's hard, right? And I was like, yeah, I think I do, but I, this is what I want to do. And so it's actually a conversation I had with Charlie the other day about, um, so I sort of see the my future kind of career more as a, a kind of creative or a developer or a writer yeah. or a consultant or something like that. And it's not because, well, I think it's because like I'm an okay actor, but I know there are lots of other actors in my uh bracket who are probably much better and much more suited to a lot of parts and I don't say that to kind of garner any um gratification or any kind of uh, what's the word like I'm, I'm no, not trying to you're fantastic don't ever <laughs> you're not... yeah I'm not looking for for people to tell me that I'm brilliant and I think it's just a sort of fact of when I kind of go up for stuff I often don't get it and I'm, you know there's this idea that you know, there's, you're going to get your big break and all that kind of stuff. But actually, I really enjoy the work that I have for Mischief and I really enjoy developing stuff and I really enjoy being a creative and being on the inside of a project like that. And so I suppose in that respect, it's not so much, oh, this is something that I'm just going to do for a bit. It's uh, me kind of developing my way th- like through the career that I've chosen and finding other things that I really enjoy about it. And I think it all started from, that decision when I was 17, 16, 17 to leave, uh, to leave sixth form because I was like, I can't just sit in a class and watch a blackboard while somebody writes on it and learn that way. It's just not what I want to do. I think as well, like 
I think most people in mischief would kind of class themselves in the, in the bracket of, you know, I feel more like a creative or a developer because obviously everyone's acting in the work. But like certainly when I look back on the last couple of years, and obviously there's been more time to do that in the last six months, some of the, the most, like, um, the times when I felt most proud are like thinking back to bits where we all kind of solved the problem together. Mm. And I think I think that's a really I think yeah I just think it's a really cool thing about us and certainly about yourself. You're a very creative guy, I think, and and also I think that I think that kind of that side of you that the thing what's really interesting is obviously um, there is that part of you that's very like anti. I remember I remember particularly when we first met you you were really anti faff and you were really like anything that was like kind of grey. Mm. <laughs> you had you were like, kind of, <laughs> <laughs> which, which you know, and I think. Like you yourself are like, well, I've tried to kind of work on that and, and make sure that, you know, I'm more kind of open to nuance and, and changing my mind. And I think that's just a thing about getting older, isn't it? The, the more you the more you know, the less you know kind of thing. But also, yeah. I think like a really good thing that you have as a creative is that you've got a tremendously good gut for like what works and what doesn't. Do, 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 I don't know. Do, do you kind of think that like, like in the moment as a performer? For example, I think you're you're really fantastic at like driving on an audience and knowing exactly the right thing to do in that moment. Is that is that something you kind of work on, or do you just think? I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Is there is there an element where you, if you, if you, if you I don't know, like do you work on your gut instinct, or do you just do you trust your gut? Like how you do? Yeah, that's it. What what is the question here that I'm trying to ask? This is terrible. This is what I'm doing. Are you aware that you've got good gut instincts? And I suppose, do you do you kind of work on that? And, and you know, do you trust do you trust yourself a lot as a creative and a performer? Um, yeah, that is a good question. I think I don't work on it kind of actively. I'd prefer to go into a situation knowing what uh, what I'm trying to do. I think that's probably actually why I'm not so good at auditioning, but actually probably really good in in a mischief show because I think what I have from those kind of no faff days uh, that I apply to performing is probably a sense of attack. Um, mm. I think I, I sort of step into the gunfire a bit when it comes to trying new moments and not really being afraid to fail and kind of look stupid. I think in terms of trusting my instincts, I would probably say I know that in every scenario whatever it is, I'm always going to try and do what I think is best. And I'm mm. always going to try and put my ego to one side and try and do uh, what's best for the show, for example, in that moment. And if that doesn't work, then that's okay. I will look back and learn from that moment and hopefully uh, sort of recalibrate in the future. And so I think in terms of working on it, I suppose, yeah, every time I kind of do something in the moment that's a little bit different or improvise or, um, you know, jostle with an audience or whatever, or try and whip people up, I'm kind of micro, it's like osmosis, I'm kind of learning a little bit each time. But actually, I think at the end of the day, it's probably just me going, oh, I think this will be a laugh, or this will work. And then if it does, then I'm like, brilliant. If it doesn't, then I sort of come off and I'm like, yeah, guys, I tried a thing and it didn't work. And that's okay. And I think that's kind of instincts is, I suppose it's just a difference between trusting that, I suppose people think of instincts of being like, oh, you know, you always seem to know the right thing to do. 
but in the moment you're never thinking or i'm certainly never thinking this is the right thing to do i'm probably thinking oh this will be a laugh and then just hope it is and if it's not it's not and i think that's the difference between a kind of someone who has good gut instincts and someone who doesn't it's someone who just doesn't trust themselves just to do whatever they think is best it's that finding that balance between being you know being confident with yourself and trusting yourself which i think leads to really good work and then you know having an overconfidence which means you don't you know learn from any errors in judgment that you make yeah i think that's true i think i've definitely um, suffered from overconfidence in the past particularly in the improv shows um <laughs> that's but then... what I'm saying that i wasn't being like you suffered from overconfidence that was just <laughs> no 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 that was that was me going yeah no i think i think i definitely have um I think what I've really tried to develop is, yeah, I guess, as you say, that kind of balance of um, a sort of confidence and a humility, a confidence to kind of put yourself forward and go, I think it's this, or I'm going to do this. But then the humility to kind of realise when you've made a mistake or it hasn't gone quite right, or you didn't quite deliver it as well as you think you could. And I think I'm often, um, I'm often quite proud that, uh, particularly in the more recent shows that we've done, speaking to like yourself and Hen and Shields and stuff as within writing, that I'm end up sort of being the go-to guy for something that you're not quite sure about. You go, look, we've got this idea, we just don't really know if it's going to work until we put it in front of an audience, and we just thought you might be able to figure it out once we get up there. And I think yes, that I really it, enjoy. I think you're certainly someone, if there's a new idea and we're not sure, we'll be like, let's let's see how Dave does with that. I'd say you've sometimes been sent out to battle with the least amount of armour, if that makes sense. Mm. Oh, there, there have been a few, yeah. <laughs> Grown Ups was a particularly amusing one. I remember that was, um, well, that was when me and Brian had to do all that stuff for the scene change, had to come up with some, some stand-up material. Well, that like was two really, and a half minutes. That was a technical error, really. That just meant we, you know, we had, we had to until until the technical error could be resolved. Just for about six or seven shows, we needed, we just kind of needed some filler for what mm. ninety seconds, whatever. Um, my my dog has just come in, so I I've got a feeling that the the, the more kind of somber, thoughtful tone that, that that the conversation has taken on so far might soon change to a more jovial tone anyway, and and sillier. So I Very think that good. might be a good to go into questions from the web and the re- and, and that's already problematic because because I, I've not done this before so I, I forgot to ask four questions from the web okay I tell you what I'm, I'm you've not <laughs> you've not asked anyone no. okay so I'm no. gonna write I'm, I'm gonna tweet right now I'm gonna tweet okay. now does anyone um, have questions help I'm recording my interview and then we'll all, before we just wait and so, yeah, maybe ask me a question while it's while it's coming. Um, while while people say, because you know, people may not ask a question, but you know, or we could just wait if you like. Well, I suppose my first question would be: Do you edit this at all now? Um, no, I probably won't edit this. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is not good material. It's just me sending a tweet. But if, if now we just waited for ten minutes, for example, would you edit that out? Or would you just keep that in? I might edit. I might edit enough that I think it's funny. If it was like a genuine two minutes of silence and that was amusing, I might put that in. I think a full ten minutes might might just. But you'd just skip it, wouldn't you? Well, I tell you what, have, put... you, have you sent the tweet yet? 
Uh, no, I said, help. I'm recording my interview with Jonathan Sayer for At Mischief Condi. He forgot to ask the audience questions. What do you want to know? And then we're just going to wait. Okay, but you've not sent that yet. I've just sent it now. Okay, I'm going to refresh then. And we're just going to... We're just going to wait. I've okay. um, I've liked, <laughs> I've liked the tweet. <laughs> okay, that's a good start. That is a good start. Okay, two people have liked the tweet. This is start. Johnny should he should have sent the tweet out. Daisy Thomas, don't like the tweet. Write a question. Hmm. I'm just going to wait. Okay. Do you have any questions yet? Oh, here we go. Right. No, Jonathan Sayers written one. Why is Jonathan Sayers such a good interviewer? I see that. That's you. It says your name. You. <laughs> it's just you asking me, asking yourself essentially through me. Why are you such a good interviewer? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, John, you've got an easy manner. Oh, thank it's you. Not, and you're not afraid of doing something terrible. No, I'm like, definitely not afraid of doing something terrible. I would say that my career is evidence of that at times. <laughs> <laughs> Have okay. you had any more questions? No, I've had two. I've had one legitimate question and one from Jonathan Sayer. <laughs> Are you ever intimidated by John's physique? Who's that from? That's from Jonathan <laughs> Sayer. <laughs> question so we've got this we've got we had a tweet from someone who who obviously from their little picture they look like they've got cracking physique and they say are you ever intimidated by john's physique that there's a picture of you in times square dressed as perkins (laughs) (laughs) that was on the last night broadway was it yeah the show was still on and i pegged it outside with sharika and said, I, I, I desperately want a photo of Perkins in Times Square. So we took the photo and then ran back in, just just that's, as the second album started. That's really impressive. That is really, mm. it looks, it's a great photo. But, okay, so do you have, what's your physique? Oh, you had five. You've seen Hang on, we've, we've got questions. We've got, I, I, I can stop just being a fool. We've got some questions. We've got <laughs> okay, okay, questions. okay, cool. So let's, let's crack on and we'll come to my physique at the end of the interview. Okay, there'll be a physique section. Yeah, and oh, we haven't done a have have we done a tune for this? Oh yeah, from questions from the web. Okay, um, do 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 questions from the web. Hello and welcome to questions from the web. Now we've actually got some questions. Um, we're gonna we're gonna go with them. So so the first one is, what was it like being a stormtrooper? Boom, a question. Oh, boom, a question. Yeah, I saw Daisy Thomas actually. I chastised her for just liking it, and now, now that's great. Thank you, Daisy. Um, being a stormtrooper was both incredibly cool and incredibly painful because the suit that you wear is made up of like loads of different bits, and um, yeah. they sort of have to like lock you in. It's a bit kind of like Iron Man style, and um, you can't sit down or bend over and pick stuff up from the floor. Really? Um, yeah, it's that, like, the, the plastic bits are so rigid. And um, I was in it for about eight hours, and uh, all you can do is sort of lean on a high chair 
or me and the other guy that I was doing it with, um, he figured out a way to like interlock the sections so that you could stack them on top of each other. And then you, you just kind of like relaxed inside the kind of plastic frame. Um, but yeah, the black under bit is like a, it's like a wetsuit, but it's like rubber. It's like corrugated rubber and none, it releases no moisture. So as you sweat throughout the day, it all collects inside it. And it takes like two people to like strip you out of it. Um, it's, it's quite intense. On, on what's the vibe like on set because obviously you're like stepping into something there that's like that's massive both like in the sense that just like there's so many of those films but oh and it's you know it's so popular but also just like that production is massive what, what's it like just going in for uh, how many days were you there for i went in for two days so i went for the the first day was the costume fitting and just like a walk around and that's when jj told me that i had lines and a scene <laughs> so i didn't know about that um and then the rest of it was um, the second day. So you kind of come in and I met the guys in like the armory and um, the guys who do all of the like military stuff to make the stormtroopers kind of walk in sync and, and look more military. But I think everyone, if they've worked on the project before or it's their first time, I think they really get the sense that they are part of something special. So they sort yeah. of are really pleased to include you in that. So if you've, you come in, you go, oh, I'm this person and I'm, I'm doing this thing. They're like, oh, cool. Is it your first time on set? They're like, yeah, great. You should come and have a look at this. And so everyone's really kind of pleased to have you there. So it's not, um, yeah, it's a really friendly, welcoming environment. Uh, on set is is much, is a little stricter. But I mean, I, I went there and they were filming a scene with um, Richard E. Grant and he's obviously like a seasoned pro so he was just like laughing yeah. and joking and kind of walking around but then like just behind the camera was John Boyega and some of his friends and they were just kind of watching the scene and getting ready for filming a bit later so it's kind of strange because you it's it's very relaxed um and I, I did say to JJ afterwards actually I was like it is amazing how calm you are but how calm everyone is because I I know this is going to be a massive blockbuster film and you just assume that everyone is like balls to the wall, 100 mile an hour all the time. But actually, it's it's just very focused and very relaxed. It's just a really kind of cool place to be. And the food is amazing. That's cool. That's cool. I'm going to move on to the next question, although I'm going to ask you off, off podcast about the food. Um, mm. So what is the best joke you've ever written or ever performed? Best joke I've ever written or ever performed. Oh, that's really hard. Um, Should I come back to it? Come back to it? Well, best joke. Um, no, it needs context though. That's the problem. Best joke uh, was I've I've written a whole um, with Charlie. We've written a whole kind of uh, little mini sketch um, about uh, a group of people trying to open, thinking they're going to open a cafe. But they're coming up with loads of puns about different, <laughs> different famous uh, dictators and tyrants from history. Um, in context, it's very, very, very amusing. Um, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's called. No, I'm not going to tell you what it's called because hopefully the thing will get made and you'll see it. But that's probably the one that I'm most proud of to date. Um, and the most proud thing to like perform, probably one of my favourite jokes. There's got to be some like guaranteed laughs in um, probably something in bank robbery. Have you got? Have you got one? I can't really think of it. It's quite hard on the spot. 
Oh, I tell you what, my favourite thing to perform was getting hit in the, with the plank, the the plank from the floor and play that goes wrong. Yeah, that was good. Getting hit in the face with that every night was really um, was a really fun joke, and I took a lot of pride in kind of getting that right. Yeah, I thought that was really good because as well the technique, what you're what you're doing there to make that look, you know, like you're being smacked in the face with that wood, is really impressive. And also, I'd say that is a moment of genuine danger when you do that because you know if you did get it wrong, you know that could that could in theory really really hit you. Yeah, I mean, I got hit with it once in um, Broadway, um, yeah. but it was very, very. I was just, just like half an inch too close. But actually, yeah, that one, that was always one of the harder moments to get right because you've just jumped off a chaise long. You're walking around. You've got to position yourself. You've got to get your, or your body in the right position for the nap, but also make sure you're far enough away from it. And it's all done on visual cues from somebody off stage and somebody underneath the stage. So it's a real kind of. There's like two seconds of just like absolute chaos and then it just culminates in this one moment, which I always really enjoyed. That's nice. Nice. It's nice when you've got a joke um, that you know is really reliable and you feel like you've got it up your sleeve. I don't like, like with that, it's one of those moments of like, oh, you don't know what's coming. Like I remember on Bank Robbery before the um, before the reveal of the back wall, I always used to like mm. that moment. I was just like, oh, as soon as people see this, like it will get it will get a response. And that was, I didn't yeah. do that. But like with this, you were you were also doing something, but also just, yeah, just one of those jokes where you feel like, oh, I've got some ammo, I've got some ammo. Yeah, I think as well, actually, one tier below that was probably my favourite joke was the Vegas joke in um, Bank yeah. Robbery. Yeah. Um, because if you nailed it, you really got an amazing response from the audience. And they it was a real kind of gear shift in that whole section where you're pretending to be free boys. But if you if you slightly like tripped on it or didn't quite deliver it right you really felt felt it not shift into that next gear and it was a really interesting one to try and play every night yeah no definitely that's that's good that's good i'm i'm, I'm prepared with another question now if you're ready um, far away how do you prep your mischief improv shows is there any kind of planning and rehearsal that can be done uh not really i suppose we did two days before the tour um, but that was more just getting in a room and remembering how to improvise. Uh, and we kind of really weirdly rely on you, I'd say, John, just to be like, give us a film and a genre and all that kind of stuff and just kind of go for it. I think we've, we've stopped kind of running full shows, I think now in rehearsal, just because they're so difficult to do without an audience, without that kind of laughter. But I'd say me personally, um, I'm quite, uh, I'd say I'm quite relaxed before a show. I don't really get like, I used to get very kind of giddy and excited and really want to like jack everyone up. But I think that's one of the things, you know, about not everything being black and white and not everyone being at the same level as me. Actually, sometimes it's it's nice just to kind of have a calm moment because I know I'm going to walk out and probably do something crazy for an hour and 10 minutes. So actually just having a moment of just like stillness to myself just before we start and other people being like, okay, yeah, how are you doing? You okay? And I'm just like, yeah, very calm, very still. I'm excited. It's going to be fun. That's cool. That's interesting. Um, next question. Um, next question I would say is, um, so we were talking about Broadway. So um, so Chris, who, who who has a picture of one matter as, as his um, as his profile pic. Um, I like that because I like one matter and I like Man United. Um, so, 
he he asks if you could bring any any show back to Broadway, um, which which show would you like to bring? Uh, bring to Broadway? What well, any of the shows? I'm guessing any done. of the shows. Yeah, I would case. probably bring either. I would probably do either bank robbery or potentially mm-hmm. magic. Um, because I think magic would be really fun in front of an American audience. Uh, yeah. And bank robbery feels, for me, bank robbery is just so much fun to do. Um, it's such a great, like, high-energy part to play. Um, but actually... I don't know. I, yeah, I think maybe it's like... I think people would just get over it. You know, when, like, Americans do British accents, and you're just kind of like, yeah, it's good enough, it's fine. I think... Yours, yours is pretty good. I'd have to work so hard. Well, you're, are you doing Minnesota as well? I mean, I mean, I think it's generous to say I'm doing anything, really. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to be Minnesota, but I'm just kind of doing a funny, a funny voice, really. I'm hoping that if I put enough yeah. character into it, that'll, that'll act as a smokescreen from the actual technical dialect work that's probably, you know, not quite there. I think I think Americans would just let us get away with it, and I think they'd be like, "Oh, these are the the British guys doing an American play, or like American accents." But or well, is, I mean, I could do Mystery Movie Night as well, actually. Yeah, that'd like, be great. run on Broadway. That would be amazing. That would be great. I'd love that. Here, here's another question, just so you know, Dave. Sometimes the, I think because it's raining quite a lot outside my flat and it affects the Wi-Fi, I, I lose what you're saying. So if at some point you're saying something, I'm like, "Yeah, that sounds good," and then I'm moving on. It's maybe code for. I can't tell what you're saying, so I'm just assuming. Okay. Um, Is it? Do I sort of need to come closer? No, it's 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 a total cutout. So, but if you if you're at any point, you know, opening up your soul, and then I'm like, yeah, moving on. It's because I've not quite heard you. So it's just okay. to put that out there. I'll um, that in mind. So um, here's one: Are you ever intimidated by John's physique? <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> um, no. Here's the other one. Here's another one. Do you think you and Max are similar in any way? Me and Max, are we similar? Do you know what? Initially, I thought you said wax, and I thought you were, you meant Kenny Wax. Are you on wax? No, are you on wax? Are you on K-Wax? Um, no, me and Max, are we similar? Um, yes and no. I mean, I think Max has such a poor grasp of what's happening in mo- moment to moment. And I, I think I generally, at least I like to consider myself as someone who has a pretty good grasp of of the mood of the room and what's going on. Um, but maybe that's, if that is true, maybe that's what enables me to play someone who, who doesn't have a grasp because it's quite nice to sort of know what is required and then do the opposite. Um, I think the bit of Max that is probably the most like me is the... Um, it's kind of what we were saying earlier, actually, about just sort of a joyful instinct. Um, mm. It's just trying to, to make a situation situation more light and more fun uh, and finding games in situations really, really quickly and, and building a, a game with an That's audience. what I said earlier. That's what I meant. Just like you're, you're, re- you're a spontaneous guy. Is that something you work at? That's what I should have asked earlier when I did that weird mm. ponderous question about, you know, instincts and stuff. But that's what I meant. Yeah, I think the answer is still probably the same with Max as well. Like spontaneity, I think we, particularly with Max, we discovered like a lot of really fun games um, mm. to to play with the audience, and and that does come from, I guess, an instinct of 
following an instinct of going, oh, this person is applauding. I'll applaud with them and they're shouting something out. I'll do something with them as well and see if you can kind of build a game out of that. But I suppose the the bit where you work on it is probably knowing when to get out of it um, and knowing when you're kind of, when you're kind of done. Uh, that's the, I'd say that's the bit that's probably the most elusive, probably the most skillful bit. Cause I think most people can probably instinctually start some kind of repertoire with the audience, but actually knowing when to get out of it and get back to the show, that's the tricky bit. I'd say that's a good bit of prep with Mischief Movie Night as well. Like, again, I don't know if that's the thing that you rehearse, but just the more you do it, you get a sense of, and you know, that, that's, that, that's enough of that. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know? <laughs> You know, and the more you rehearse and practice, like everyone gets a kind of communal sense of, and that joke is that's as good as that material could possibly be, or, or you know, or that we can make it, and, and now let's let's truck on to the next thing. Oh, here's here's a good question. Um, mm-hmm. um, who is your professional idol? And then it says besides Jonathan Sayer, of course, and that's not from me. That's from Liz. So, um, who is your professional idol? That's very good. Um, well, apart from Jonathan Sayer, of course. Hmm. And I'm going to put one in the industry, so one in your line of work, and then another, maybe not at all, in your line of work. Okay, that's good. I would say um, in the industry, someone who I really, like, I really, I've always really admired, um, so I've got a couple, actually. I really admire um, Basil Fawlty, John Cleese's portrayal of Basil Fawlty in in Fawlty Towers, just because um, I think... It's just such a great comedic performance, um, mm. and I think he just um, he just really nails it, and it's really really good. Um, there's also a guy in um, Mad Men uh, who plays Pete Campbell, and I think his name is Vincent. I can't. I can never pronounce his last name. It's Carth Carthizer or something like that. He was in the Social Dilemma documentary as well. He's the one of the actors in that. Right. And okay. It's if you haven't seen Mad Men, it's such a brilliant Auguste clown. Like he takes himself so seriously and is the, the show isn't a comedy, but he's absolutely hysterical in it. And it's, it's one of my, my favorite on-screen performances. And um, also I rewatched all of friends recently in like the last sort of year or so. Yeah. And now that I've done a bit of, um, they're all brilliant, but Jennifer Aniston is such a good comedic actress. Like mm. she is hysterical in in every episode. And I think when I was younger, I didn't really, I took that for granted. I mean, they're all brilliant, but I think I never really thought of, of Rachel as being somebody who was like the funny one. But now watching it again with a with a more kind of educated eye, it's such a good performance. It's so well done. Um, I would say outside of the industry, does Louis Theroux count? I'd say he's. I, I mean, I, I, I'm always keen to talk about Louis Theroux because I'm such a fan. So if if, if you want to talk about him, you know, I'd be open. Yeah, to Louis Theroux, obviously Darren Brown as well, um, but they're yeah. kind of still in in the industry. Um, yeah, I kind of I just found Louis Theroux's Grounded podcast and uh, the ones where he's doing the documentaries that made me sort of twenty years ago thing. He's mm. just so so well put together. And he just has such an amazing um, tolerance and view of people 
just he just finds just these amazing ways to just engage with people that you might think are the most hold the most abhorrent views um but he's he just has this wonderful ability to just engage with them and kind of you sometimes watch his documentaries and you somehow feel sorry for some of someone that you really feel that on paper you should just hate have you um, read his book no is it got to get through this through this got to get through yeah. this I've not read it. It's good. Yeah, it is. It's very good. You can also listen to an audio. I don't know why we're just selling Louis through stuff here, but you can also listen to the audio book and he reads it, which I'd recommend. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, moving, I think I might do that. We're going to move on. We're going to do two more questions from the web because actually we've got, we've got a lot now. We've got like 30 questions. So I'm going to oh, do nice. these. I'm going to do these reasonably kind of quickly. Um, okay. Have you ever hurt yourself during the show or a show? Yes, loads. Which one do you want? Give us your top hurt, Dave. <laughs> top hurt, dislocated shoulder. Um, <laughs> had to go to hospital, get it reset. Probably, I think I did it twice during um, during Play That Goes Wrong. Um, third time, it took them 45 minutes to reset it, and they tried to knock me out with morphine. And then I ended up, apparently, I don't remember any of this, but I put it back in myself. Wow. That's pretty, um, that's like um lethal weapon. Yeah, it was, it was a sort of... Um, lethal weapon but much less like just more of me being like and then i passed out i'm guessing that was with the morphine mm, yeah yeah the morphine's good so so then the next question um is this is from mischief so it says is jaffa cake a cake or bit that's for later isn't it though that is in the quick fire question yeah we'll, we'll do that later then there's a whole thread opened up about it being someone's been like that's all for tax purposes. It is. It is for tax purposes. Yeah, because because they, they avoid the VAT. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think as if they say it's a biscuit. Um, I can't remember which way round it is. Perhaps it says in the thread. But yeah, if they class it as a biscuit and not a cake, then oh, they don't have to pay a certain hey, tax. Yeah, yeah. They're they're skimming off the top, mate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, tax I, dodging. I, I know nothing about that. Um, uh, your three top video games that's a good question I won't know any of these video games but um, what are your three top video games and then I'll pretend I know them all okay so you're probably oh, three top probably going to go for Last of Us I'm going to put oh. Last of Us and two. Oh wow controversial very, very good game I'm going to put Final Fantasy 7 original and remake right very very good game um, and uh what else? What else is there? Um, I'd say what actually. Crash Bandicoot is a very good game. It is very, very good. The games I know. Tekken. Tekken, yeah. The the earlier ones of those, I played a lot of those. They're really, really good. Mm. Tekken 2. That's good. That, that's, yeah, that's, that's probably when I stopped doing video games. I didn't Tekken really do. Tekken 1, Tekken 2. <laughs> my memory of video games is very much that my dad would be like, I bought you a video game. And then I wouldn't be that, I wouldn't be that fussed. And then he would play the video game and I would watch and be like, that was good. And he'd be like, yeah. And then I'd be like, can I have a go? And be like, no, it's bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> He's great parenting. <laughs> for me, that was really for him. But as well, I just never had any real, I was just rubbish at it. I remember doing Metal Gear Solid with him. And he'd be like, yeah. let me do this bit. Cause, and then we all knew it was because I was very bad at it. But he didn't want to say that. That's okay. I think Metal Gear Solid is good. That's a very hard game. Very, very difficult. Very stealthy. I do like a stealth game. I like Assassin's Creed, Black Flag. 
lots of sneaking around. Brilliant game. See, I, I don't know any of these games, but I'm going to pretend mm. I do. Like, oh yeah, that's that's meant that. That's great. That's really really mm. good. Um, moving on to um, to a final question, which is, how did you get into parkour, Dave? This is the last. This is the last question from the web we're going to do. Okay, how do I get to parkour? Um, did you just call I... in? <laughs> Somebody stop him! I what happened? I think I just saw someone doing it online once, and I was like, "Oh, that looks fun! I'd like to do that." And then I googled it, and then um, I just found this company called Urban Free Flow in London mm. who did lessons at like Waterloo. And I was really confused because yeah. they told us to turn up to Waterloo at the IMAX. And I sort of walked around a bit and just saw a bunch of people sat on a wall. And then we're like, are you here for the free running lesson? And they were like, yeah. And then this guy just turned up and taught us. It was very strange. But then I went every week for like many years and uh, just kind of kept going. And it's when you see other people doing really cool stuff, you're like, I want to learn how to do that. And you just sort of slowly get there. It's really fun. I would highly recommend it. You do have an incredible propensity, I think that's the right word, for, for propensity for falling over. I don't know, like, Just, in the way that, like, like, you're very good at, like, uh, like, like this thing in the company that, that, like, you know, if we say, like, you know, what we need now is, you know, so we hit on the door and then fall backwards and land on that. You're, you're very good at just being able to just do that. Yeah, I think I really enjoy the kind of, um, the specificity of that kind of stuff, of trying to find a way of just going. And now, obviously, having done it so much, like simpler moves and stuff and you know i teach people how to do it simpler moves are just kind of like oh yeah i can hit and fall here and it's all really safe um i think the the one of the more technically challenging things we did actually was the uh the vase hit and stuff uh in um in the horror episode of the goes wrong show because i can't yeah. see it and it was made of wax and i couldn't catch it and um but i couldn't grab it too tight otherwise it would shatter uh, but yeah, all of that stuff was done without looking. And then the um, the bit we were you under the table during the Moncrief section when I had to wrap myself up in a wire. I was under the table, yeah. Yeah, feeding the but wire I, through. I was feeding the wire of the phone through while I was in that little ETM. Yeah, factory. yeah. That was really fun. That felt kind of like old school theatre days. All your TV money, you can throw as much money as you wanted it but you still need really a guy under a table. Feeding the rope through. And I had all those cushions under that desk because I was under there for like eight hours a day. So I like brought cushions from home and a little sippy cup. <laughs> so that's you had, like, had quite a nice little sort of man cave down there. I had, a great I had a great setup. I kept saying I was going to try and get Sky in there. Obviously <laughs> I did it because I was at work. But I remember just every day there'd be a funnier, like little nuanced thing added. And then, like one of the guys from um, one one of the guys from set made like a frame, so I could put a photo in there. <laughs> more and more homework. That's very sweet. I think it's time, Dave, for the final section. What, what's usually what's the usual time of the podcast? Are we looking for an hour? Um, yeah, we tend to go for like uh, I tend to sort of aim for about fifty minutes. Well, we're on fifty minutes, so I've, if you do do some editing, I'd just trim out some of the beginning bit. You know, I'd, I'd trim out my bad question. No, that's got to stop. stay, because otherwise okay. I'll have to trim this bit out. That's true. And the bit that's about spontaneity, so you can't. That's the, that, yeah. that, that's the that bad question is kind of the spine of this podcast now. That's a, that's yeah, a shame. It's the, it's the spine upon which the whole thing hangs. 
I would say you have done a very good job in this podcast in spite of the interviewer, I would say, Dave. No, I think you've done very well. And we, we did it on the hoof a bit, you know? We sort we of have like... We've got, we got some questions. I've got to say thanks to, to everyone who tweeted in. Like, the speed at which you've done it is, um, is really amazing. And they were really specific questions, because let's not forget that this podcast started by me asking you what you've been doing from womb to now, which I could, you really <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't invent any question. No, it really did start with that. That's really funny. That's a question that makes the interviewee do all the work. Because um, you've, you've got to do a lot. Niall just asked a question. What does Niall say? Niall's just asked, "What's your take on the Watergate scandal?" No. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is a great question. Well, I think different podcast. Different podcast. Maybe, maybe we should release that. You know, what mischief thing? Watergate. Mischief on Watergate. Yeah, we could. We okay. could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mischief, mischief. What does mischief not, think of like various scandals throughout political history? That that could be for next year. Yeah, yeah. It, when we're really yeah, running yeah. dry on guests. <laughs> we're still locked down. Yeah. <laughs> we launch into. Um right, I'm gonna move us on because that's that's my job as host. Um if it's flagging, move it. That's that's yeah. what I should do. Smash through. Um, and I think flagging. I think it's I think it's you know, when we talked about knowing when to stop. We've hit that point. At that point, and we're, we're moving on. So, quick fire jingle. There, this is the quick fire round. So, I need a quick fire jingle. Go! Quick, 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 slow, quick fire. That's very good. I think that's that's amazing. So, let's move straight into it. Okay, right. so we're going to ask you a load of questions now, really, really quick. And you've just got to not think, and you've just got to answer straight away. Trust your gut. We've discussed that before, you know, mm-hmm. just answer, be confident. Don't think and make the answers piffier than how I framed the beginning of it. <laughs> okay, that's good. So um, here we go. What's your favourite colour? Um, green. Green. Okay, texting or talking? Uh, talking. Too slow. Now you can't do either. Um, if, no, I, I didn't know what you said. <laughs> texting or talking? <laughs> I said talking. Talking. No, I, I agree. Who would say texting? Who would prefer to talking it depends what you're trying to do like if you, maybe if you're going to ask someone to do something really difficult well yeah I mean texting. if it was to sort something out like you know sorting out a meeting like you know where should we meet tonight I'll meet you at the museum I'd do that through texting why are we going to the museum I don't know I don't know let's let's move on <laughs> let's move on if you were an animal what would you be um, I would like to be a, a gibbon a gibbon. If you were a museum attraction, what would you be? Oh, I'd be a big old statue of, you know, a lovely wartime hero. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Um, if you if you were to describe yourself as a dessert, what dessert would you be? Oh, I'd be like a like a one of those little um, like a caramel shortbread. Okay, interesting. Um, and is a jaffa cake a cake or a biscuit? I think it's a biscuit, isn't it, for tax purposes? It's a cake for tax purposes. It's a cake for tax purposes. Okay, yeah, no, I agree with that. It's a cake. Describe yourself in three words. Oh, you know, really great. (laughs) I'm afraid I'm going to have to take your first three words, which were 
are you know. So that's fair. That's, fair. That's, that's fair. If you were one of the 52 cards in a deck, which one of those cards would you be? Oh, I'd, I'd, be the, I'd be the Jack of Spades. Jack of Spades. All right, the next question. What's in your pocket right now? Spill the beans. Pocket. What's, in your, what's in your pocket? Oh, mate. Um, I've actually got nothing. I've got I've got a new pair of Reebok tracksuit bottoms, and they got zip pockets. Um, so I like those. They're sort of smooth on the inside. Yeah, that's. Have you gone in the lockdown? Have you gone really like tracksuit bottom hungry? Yeah, I mean, I was kind of like that always anyway. Um, but yeah, when I'm just at home, I'm just like, yeah, tracky bees. Sometimes I go out. Sometimes I don't. It's fine, and look you at know? the jeans with the stain, that jeans. Why would I put them on? Exactly, exactly. For your legs. <laughs> okay, moving on again. <laughs> Knowing when to move it on. Um, uh, finally, what would who 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 would be the best person to be trapped on a desert island with in mischief? You see, I've been I've, 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 I've actually had quite a lot of time to think about this one, and I've always said it should be Mike Bodie. Because yeah. he would probably, you know, you'd survive on the island. But then some, a few people have said Matt Cavendish, and I'm just thinking, you know, he'd he'd do you a little little show tune. But then maybe Tom Platt, stage yeah, management. I'd say like is the bear is the bear grills of mischief. But then I'd say like yeah. Matt Cavendish is kind of the Attenborough of mischief. Sure. Okay. Yeah. 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 Man. Man. You know, wise beyond his years. Hmm. Although David Attenborough has many years, many, he's many, yeah, like, he's doing great, Attenborough. Yeah, have you seen? I mean, the next thing we're going to ask is just just before we end, you know, is there anything that you would recommend people watching at the moment, or you know, to watch or read while we're we're still kind of in this weird time? But he's got a, there's a great documentary on Netflix, um, an Attenborough documentary that's that's fantastic, all about kind of climate change and. Yeah, you know, I haven't worked up the courage to watch it yet. I feel like it's going to make me quite sad. It is, but there's a hopeful element to it as well. Oh, that's good. Well, I would say uh, on the Attenborough front, I would say if you haven't seen them, Planet Earth Two and, and Blue Planet Two. Mm. Some of Planet Earth Two is some of the the most tense and engaging television I think I've I've ever seen. Um, can you do an impression? Can I do an impression of David Attenborough? Mm. I don't know. What does he sound like? He's moving. I can't do it. I think we're both being posh and deep, but I don't <laughs> think it's Attenborough. No, he says. Not. He says like um, he says words in a very posh way. No, it's hard. Attenborough is so specific, and I wouldn't. If he listens to this, he won't listen to this. Go on, David. Have a listen, mate. You've got a lovely voice. You have got a lovely voice. But he'll know that, won't he? He will. I mean, he's, what, 90-odd? Someone's told him. <laughs> Must have done. Um, yeah, what, what 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 should people watch during this time of... Um, of uh, during of, this sort of time of isolation, almost, but not yeah. quite. Um, I've been watching a series on Amazon called The Boys, which is very dark and very strange. So okay. it's, I'm really enjoying it. Um, if you haven't seen Succession, start watching it. It's brilliant. Wonderful awesome. writing, wonderful acting. Um, and The Social Dilemma for a documentary that will potentially change your life. It's very, very scary, but also brilliant. I've not, I've not had the guts to watch that yet. 
I can't. I know what it's about. I've, I've listened to a lot of podcasts about. It's, it's all. It's all about kind of algorithms and stuff, right? And, and how we're in the news that we're all watching or the discourse that we're we're taking part. Yeah. Of. It's the, it's and it's also of, as well about it sort of semi dramatizes it and sort of shows you uh, like the journey of of like a like a teenage boy and some like other people and kind of how um, the dramatization is kind of how they're manipulated. And it's, it's really, really fascinating to kind of match it with the people who design the system and see a kind of dramatization of it at the same time. It's really interesting. The idea that like social media is, is making us all kind of literally have a different experience, have a different reality almost that we're living Mm. in is, is, is such a, an upsetting idea, I think. Yeah, it's really scary. And I think Obama said it in a speech a couple of years ago where he was just like, if you only get your your news from one source and that source is just in order to make money, is essentially designed just to keep you showing this keep showing you the same things that you like. You're only ever gonna see one side of it. Um and there's a, a podcast I've started listening to called Rabbit Hole, which is really interesting. Um oh, about a guy what? who became he becomes quite like a I'm only the second episode in, but it's a guy who sort of became quite a, a right-wing extremist uh, and then kind of came through and came out the other side. Uh, and he speaks to uh, these guys from the New York Times and basically gives them unfiltered access to his sort of YouTube and internet search history for like the last 15 years. Um, and oh, okay. they just literally forensically just kind of comb through this guy's search history and figure out how we got from point A to point B and how the algorithms kind of we're gradually showing him more and more extreme stuff to keep him on YouTube and to keep him watching. Um, yeah. And it's, it's really, really fascinating uh, to listen to. Um, yeah. It's really great. And, and before we go, um, what is, could you recommend anything that, cause I've definitely found at the moment, like I'm trying to watch stuff as well. That is just, just a bit of a, a light, a bit of light relief almost. Is there anything that you can suggest that's just really funny that people should watch or really uplifting and really hopeful? Not to put I'm uh, really enjoying it. I'm just ploughing through. It's on Netflix now, Modern Family. Um, it's, yeah. it's just such a wonderful, uh, really just 20, 25-minute episodes, all kind of condensed. You don't need to really engage with it other than just enjoying the wonderful writing and the wonderful characters. And there's some really genuinely lovely performances in there. And it's um, yeah, it's really well put together. Amazing. Well, I think that that is that hits an exact that hits basically an hour. If I if I wrap up in ten seconds, it's it's an hour and not an hour and one minute. So let's say goodbye. Thanks, Dave. This has been a pleasure. Oh uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time. And um, oh, I've waited. Oh, now it's an hour and one minute. <laughs> I hope that I have the viewers at home. I hope that I have um, done all right in filling Dave's shoes. I think this podcast has been amazing. I think it's great that you've, you've kind of put it together, Dave. Um, oh, thank you. It's fun to do. It's, it's, it's great. It really is great. So, so thanks very much. And I hope that um, I hope that you've enjoyed being on your show rather than hosting it. I have. And um, I didn't turn any lights on, so now it's really dark in my room and I feel kind of weird. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. And do share with all sure. of your friends. Yeah, please do. Should we should we should we end on a word that we say in unison together? Okay, ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. Sandwich. 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 Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.